the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, welcome to Homeschooling in Real Life, the podcast, with your hosts, Andy and Kendra Fletcher. As veteran homeschooling parents, Fletch and Kendra discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other in the gospel. The Homeschooling IRL podcast promises to be honest, transparent, and witty as they uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. And we want to welcome you to another edition of Homeschooling in Real Life, or as we like to call it, Homeschooling IRL. Hey, we are really excited about some of the stuff God's doing around here. I mean, we have a brand new website on its way out. We do. I'm excited about this because we love a certain website platform, and so we're using it for this one. Yeah. Hey, Squarespace.com, beautiful websites, easy to make. We could not be more excited about this new site. And that's kind of where our listeners come in. Yeah, we are really looking forward to hearing what you would love to have on this site. We sort of envision Homeschooling IRL as being a one-stop shop, a place where you can find the information you're wanting to know, uh, maybe a place to learn more about the people we're interviewing or the subjects we've talked about. But we really would love to know what else would be helpful to you on that site. Yeah, maybe a suggestion of, hey, this is what we'd like you to talk about. And until then, we just want to let you know, you can reach us through this blog uh, at com. Just go to our, our homeschooling IRL page that's dedicated there. You can get us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschoolingirl. I know it looks like homeschooling girl. <laughs> hey, we did what we had to do. And then on Twitter at homeschoolirl. And please, just let us know what it is you want us to hear. It's it's actually really cool, and it's a very safe place for you to say, hey, you know what, I, I would like you to talk about this topic. I'm, I'm not ready to talk about it, but I know Fletch and Ken will, and we will. There's nothing that's taboo. You know, maybe that is the deal, Fletch. Maybe some people have a hard time bringing up certain subjects in their co-ops or around their families or even with other homeschoolers. Um, and or with so, their spouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's some tough topics just to talk about. So, hey, let us be the ones uh, that talk about it for you. So uh, reach out to us on one of those social networks for now and then uh, through our site. We'll look forward to hearing from you. Hey, we have a great, great episode tonight. Probably one of my favorite topics we've talked about so far. The episode title, Homeschooling Will Save Your Kids, Part 2. The bigger part tonight that we're talking about is is hope shifting, and I'm so excited to talk about that. Oh, me too. This actually has been one of the favorite interviews that we've done, Um, not just because Jim Applegate is our pastor and we just love him, but because I don't think you need to be a homeschooler to be touched by this topic. No, and, not at all. I mean, no. hope, hope shifting can affect anybody. Absolutely. So, yeah, before we get started with the show, we're just going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, we sure hope you're enjoying the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast, but you know, we're not doing this alone. No, we're not. There's over a dozen other podcasters at theultimateradioshow.com. You know, over a dozen, that means you could listen to one new podcast every day for two weeks. Where should they listen to the podcast? Well, not in my van. Why is that? Because there's always about a dozen kids in the back of it, and you can't hear anything. Well, how about late at night when it's nice and quiet? Okay. Is it ever late and quiet at our house? No. (laughs) No, we never get quiet at our house. That's homeschooling in real life. But hey, we want to encourage you to head over to theultimateradioshow.com Check out a few podcasts and tell them that Fletch and Ken sent you. If you tell them that, they will send you your very own six-year-old. 
Well, we'll send him a six-year-old. Yes, bubble wrapped. And the best part, when you get him, he'll open it up and he'll pop all that bubble wrap while you're trying to get something accomplished. Awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Head on over to theultimateradioshow.com. What, what really happened is when God had provided for them blessing, they turned it into an idol. Hope shifted. It shifted from the promise maker to the blessing that they got. And when that hope shifted, they forgot the promises and the covenants that God had made. And, and what we see is when hope shifts, when they tried to find their hope in something other than God, bondage and slavery and oppression was always the result. Okay, so last week we did talk a lot about our story, but um, Kent, why don't we spend just a few minutes here just talking about uh, the maybe the flag, the red flags that went up. Um, how about in our own life? What were some ways that we saw hope shifting kind of taking over in our lives? Well, yeah, I don't know that I would have recognized it at the time, but I know now after speaking to other people who were in our lives at the time, like my mom and dad, uh, they loved the Lord and um, they watched us kind of go through all of this and just graciously loved us through it. But I know... Um, at the time feeling like I had no other option that if I did not do this, if I did not homeschool my kids or in the years where I really felt like it may have been better for a child to have been in a classroom for one reason or, or another. And I just felt like I, there was no option. I, I could not make any other choice because this was it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, at the time sort of that frog in the kettle maybe, or just, we don't, you know, here's the other, overused metaphor. You don't see the forest for the trees. And I didn't, I didn't see in the middle of that little, um, bubble of homeschool life that we had created for ourselves. I did not see that I was being so wrapped up in or bound up by this thought that homeschooling was really going to be the only thing and the only way. Um, and let me, let me ask you a tough question then. Okay. You ready? No. When someone else <laughs> yeah. was going to make a different decision, what was the response? Well, my my prideful response was that they were just selling out. Yeah. They sold out, you know. In fact, even have had conversations with other homeschoolers with, that went something like this. Oh, so-and-so put their – let their kid go to the public high school um, is there anybody else you know who isn't selling out? Just seems like everybody's selling out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's that's those are the signs. Those are the signs that people are putting more hope in a technique, right, or an environment mm -hmm. than in Jesus. Now, what about this one? And um, you know, I was thinking about how we've seen hope shifting playing out in other families. What about when you're looking at another family? And, and say you go to church or you're in co-op or you just know of them. And one of their kids seemingly walks away from the Lord. Well, we've seen a lot of that. Um, there is definitely something going on with this generation of homeschooled kids. Yeah. I have to say, because we are seeing 30-year-olds on down who have graduated from homeschools um, who have said, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm walking away in one way or another, or what you're going to yeah. say something. Well, I was going to say, but what is the response though? The response from others is, Oh, what was going on in what their was home? What was going on in their home? They must right. have been, in other words, the method mm -hmm. 
didn't work to save their kids. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I, I look back now and just go, uh, hello, we're, we're dealing with sinners. All of yeah. us, me, <laughs> you, I mean, I'm sitting across the room yeah. from, you know, a sinner and you're looking at the chief sinner and we're looking at each of us saying, you know what saves us? The grace of God alone saves us. Yeah. Not a technique. So, mm-hmm. you know, that insular thing is interesting too, because I think we be, we suddenly begin to think that homeschooling is going to be what, what really insulates our kids from, um, bad morals, bad behavior, uh, atheism, uh, culture that hates God. But folks, we, we don't have perfect kids. We don't have these kids who are white and clean as snow on the inside. And our job is to protect them from becoming marred. Oh, hello. That's completely opposite of what scripture tells us. Our kids are Pharisees and sinners. And so are we. I gave birth to every one of those eight kids with all my sin. (laughs) And they come fully equipped with all (laughs) that sin. That's for sure. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And so, you know, we're, do we protect our kids? Yeah. Somebody comes to my house with a gun. You better believe I'm going to be in the line of fire. If there is an influence out there um, that I don't think is really the best thing for that child at that moment, we've had plenty of that with kids in our home where we've made decisions not to allow them to see a certain movie or not to allow them to have sleepovers with, with, um, you know, with anybody really for a long time because it just has bred some foolishness in our kids. Um, But that's not the kind of protection I'm talking about. It's the attitude that says, oh, I don't want my kids to be... um, sullied by the world. Your kids are sullied. I hate to break it to you. Well, hey, this is a good place maybe for us to take a break. And uh, why don't we go to the interview uh, with Jim and then we'll come back and I have a really good example uh, that I've kind of held on to over these years of hope shifting. And and I'll share it right after this break. We'll be right back. We have a guest with us on uh, Homeschooling in Real Life. Pastor Jim Applegate, who's the lead pastor at Redeemer Church in Modesto, and we know him uh, in a lot of different ways. He's a friend. He's a, he's a patient. He's oh, he's a patient. Sure, right. yeah. You know his teeth well. Yeah, yeah. He's a co-pirate on uh, oh, Tiger like Pirate, pirate Day. Day. Yeah, or a co-captain. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, in fact, he's uh, our pastor as well. That's right. So he fits a lot of roles for us. So, uh, Jim, we brought you on because we've been talking about uh, homeschooling will save your kids, and uh, we we have been leading into the subject of hope shifting. So we thought maybe you could just, uh, you were the first person we heard this from, so why don't you uh, maybe give us your, your best pitch or definition as to what hope shifting is? Sure. I actually came up with the phrase hope shifting on accident. I was actually preaching when it came out of my mouth. So if you think that it was like on purpose, it really wasn't. I wish I could claim it, but I think it was more of a Holy Spirit type thing. And I was preaching through the book of Exodus. And, you know, as you guys know, uh, the Israelites are already saved. I mean, God's already made the covenant with them way back in Genesis 15. He's claimed them to be his children. But uh, when we get into the book of Exodus, we see how they have found their hope in other things. And, um, you know, they, God takes them into Egypt because that's the way he's going to save them from the famine that uh, was prophesied about through the life of Joseph. Uh, 
And, you know, Joseph's work was basically to bring the Israelites into uh, Egypt. But the more and more we see this story unfold, the more we see that the Israelites, all of Joseph's families found their hope in Egypt instead of seeing it as a place where God has provided for them and praising God because he's provided, uh, they've actually changed from God being the provider to Egypt being the provider. And therefore, it's the whole definition of hope shifting. And I, I really love the word hope shifting because it defines for me what the biblical term idolatry is. And I don't know about you guys, but I grew up, you know, with the phrase idolatry and always kind of associated with Old Testament sacrifices and Baal and all those kind of things. And therefore, I had a really hard time trying to figure out what idolatry meant in current vernacular. And so when I, when the Holy Spirit gave that word hope shifting, it made me go, oh, that's simply idolatry, putting your hope in something other than God. Yeah. And so it's a very simple thought. It, it doesn't need to be complex, but I think it it tells the story about a lot of things that we do today. God gives a good gift, and instead of praising him for giving a good gift, we begin to put our hope in that gift. Yeah. And, and that's shifting from what our real hope should be to something other. Yeah. So hope shifting. I love in that story, uh, we talked about it. We I tell people all the time that uh, Exodus picks up, what, a couple centuries later, right? Like 400, two, 400 years yeah. later. And uh, they're not supposed to be there. That's the, the part that's crazy. Is the Israelites, they have this place that uh, is continually referred to as the promised land. <laughs> and Egypt is not the promised land. I mean, it's great. It's on the banks of the Mediterranean and probably beautiful, um, but it's not the promised land. And yet they're still there. Right. Putting their hope now in Egypt, they are what? Slaves. Right. And I remember, Jim, when you preached that series, I remember you talking about how they were slaves to the very thing they came to Egypt for, which were building those storehouses that housed all of the, the food initially that they came to Egypt for. And um, that's the thing I think about a lot of times in my own life, not just with homeschooling, but with so many other things. I think this is the gift God's given me. It's a tool or it's, you know, it's just a gift that he's given to bless me with. And now I've made this the idol. (laughs) I've turned my, shifted my hope to that thing. And now I'm in bondage to it. Yeah. And I I think that's the truth of all of life is um, most things that God gives us are not, they're not sinful innately but they become sinful when we put our hope in them. So there's lots of great things that God's given us in the world. I mean, the the scriptures say the whole earth is full of his glory. And yet when you put your hope in it, Hmm. that's when it becomes uh, problematic. I I know C.S. Lewis used to say that all of creation is like a signpost. And uh, some of those signposts look pretty darn good, but you'd be a fool for putting your hope in that signpost. Yeah. Uh, you know, when really it's pointing somewhere else. And I, and I think that's that really, in essence, what's going on here. So um, hope shifting can become a bit of a buzzword. Another buzzword that we see in um, at least uh, around uh, modern evangelical Christianity now is gospel centeredness or just the term gospel, right? I mean, people throw that one around like, you know, like crazy. So how does hope shifting differ? You know, when you're living kind of in that, that mode how does that differ from gospel-centered living well gospel-centered is really the understanding that because of what jesus has done we're living um as loved by god 
And so, you know, in, in, in essence, we go back to Genesis chapter 15, the covenant that God makes with Abraham. He's saying, I love my people. I love my people. I love my people. And, you know, it's the covenant that he makes is fully one-sided him, how much he loves his people. And so that's really what it means to live in the gospel is to live in the covenant that God has made with us through Jesus. Hope shifting is when you're off to the right or off to the left of that. And by the right, I mean into worldliness and into the left is religion, you know, whichever side. So if you're trying to be saved by your behavior, boy, that's that's religious bondage and that's not living in the gospel. And then if you're trying to find your acceptance in worldliness, uh, that's just going to lead to bondage. And that's hope shifting off to the other side. So there's two sides there that we really have to be careful of as Christians. And I think probably the best illustration, at least in the New Testament, to back that up is the prodigal son story, which is the younger brother goes off into worldliness, the older brother goes off into religion, but in the center is the massive love of the father. And so that's really what it means to to live as a gospel-centered Christian is to live in the covenant that God has given us. Um, And then to, you know, the outside of that, Hope shifting is to try and find love somewhere other than the love that the Father has given. Yeah. So I, I think that I think the two kind of go hand in glove together. Uh, you know, one talks about the relationship, and then one talks about the devastating results outside of that relationship if you're not living as loved. And hey, honestly, I got to tell you, I I go to church to be reminded to be live to 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 be reminded not to hope shift. I go to church to. <laughs> have my brothers and sisters remind me to live in the love of the father. And and that's the center of what the church is all about for me is I need to, I need people to look into my life and say, boy, you're finding your hope and you're trying to find your hope in homeschooling lately. Boy, you're trying to find your hope in your bank account lately. Hey, you're trying to find your hope in that new car you just bought lately, or you're trying to find your hope in your best behavior as a religious person lately. And can I just remind you that you're loved by God because of what Jesus has done? And I need those words to come over me again and again and again to help just focus me because it's so easy for us in this fallen world to get off to one side or the other. Yeah, that's cool. I remember mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of it, you know, saying uh, I go to church to be reminded of the gospel. And we used to joke that it would last until, you know, Monday morning. And no. then I needed someone else. But then it like one get time, Monday morning. Yeah, your, your kids like misbehaving in church yeah. and you just shrink because you think, oh, everybody's, you know, everybody's looking at me and I'm such a horrible parent. And you go, dang, man, I didn't even make it through church before yeah. I forgot the whole yeah. premise of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So, well, I can, I can tell you my latest phrase that I've been using is hope hangovers. And, uh, you know, <laughs> An, an alcoholic has a hangover because he puts his hope in his alcohol. Yeah. And I think that we do the same thing that, you know, like oftentimes I'll be totally bummed out on Sunday as a, I mean, on Monday as a preacher, because I wanted my sermon to do something amazing. And I've hope shifted <laughs> to my sermon doing something great. And then Monday morning, I just have this hope hangover because I've got my hope in the wrong place. Mm. You know, so, I mean, in, in as much as an alcoholic tries to find his hope in his alcohol and gets burned out, I think we do exactly the same thing. So we do it as parents. We do it as um, just people in general, hope hangovers. Mm. Cool. So, I like the term. Yeah. yeah we're going to have bumper <laughs> stickers on homeschooling in real life. <laughs>
<laughs> you know, don't follow there you me. Go. I have a hope hangover. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when we talk about homeschooling, you're not just peeking in from the outside. I mean, you as as a as an individual and as a father, because in fact, your family uh, homeschools or has homeschooled. And so uh, when we, we look for comments here like us, you know, you're right in the middle of it. So, you know, where specifically, you know, what are the red flags, Yeah, I guess, for homeschoolers? Have you seen them? I mean, you've had a, enough experience with, with homeschoolers over the years like we have. Um, just candidly, what are, the, what are the red flags where you'd see homeschoolers maybe shifting their hope? Or what do you hear? What do you see? Well, I think the first thing that we need to look for is setting up homeschool as the standard. Mm. Um, you know, we often say to parents, homeschooling is not for everybody. And if you're living your life hoping that your religion is going to set you free, then chances are whoever you hang out with and whatever they are doing, you're going to mimic. And so therefore, if you're in a very homeschool atmosphere where everybody else around you is homeschooling and you think that's the standard, then all of a sudden you have hope shifted to that standard instead of putting your hope in Jesus yeah. and saying, hey, I'm, I'm set free because of Jesus. Now I have the freedom to make a good decision. And so we just tell people there's, there's certain personalities that are good for homeschooling and there's certain personalities that aren't. And so we don't encourage everybody to homeschool. We say, if it's right for you and your family, then go for it. But it's, this is not a salvation issue. And if you put your hope in it as salvation, you're going to have a lot of problems. So I'd say from the very get-go, you need to find your hope in Jesus and then make a decision about homeschool um, aside from that. So that's the first red flag that, that I would say. Yeah. Well, and you know, then just continue to, like what we did as a family. So I have five kids, four daughters, a son. Um, we reevaluated that every year. And, and I think that's really important that you don't just because you homeschool one doesn't mean you homeschool all of them. Um, you know, we have kids in college all the way down to seventh grade now, and we have reevaluated every year what is good. And our first line is our hopes in Jesus. Now, what is going to be best for our family in light of that? And for and just each to individual live in kid, the freedom of that, right? Each individual. Yeah, that's kid. right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, Absolutely. One of the other red flags, and I think you're bringing it up, is that um, parents need to realize that you cannot save your children from themselves. And <laughs> we ourselves are the worst problem. You know, so it's I, I think that's the devastating. I mean, our, our oldest now is at UCLA, so a secular university. She called me the other day and said, Dad, I am growing like crazy in my walk with Christ down here more than I ever have before. And it just reminded me that the safest place to be is in the center of God's presence. Mm. You know, and, and so if you, you know, if you've put your hope in homeschool as a way to try and save your kids from society, um, okay, great. But I would then I would ask the question, well, who's saving them from them? Yeah, because exactly. the the Lord says that their hearts are deceitful above anything else. Yeah. So you think that teacher who is teaching evolution is um, evil. The Lord doesn't say that. He says, your own heart is evil. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, what are you really trying to save your kid from at yeah. this point? The the teacher or his own heart? And yeah. so I, I think this is where homeschooling comes back up as a, a problem and hope shifting mm. 
Um, you got to teach your own kids that they're evil and that they need saving from themselves and not just from society. Yeah. And that nothing is going to do that saving except for Jesus. Yeah. We, sometimes I think we give our kids a false sense of security when we think that they're safe from everything uh, because we've kind of set up these safeguards. And I, and I definitely want to protect my kids, um, but I definitely want to tell them, hey, what you need protecting from the most is your own mind and your own heart because it's evil and you need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and th- there we go back to the center of hope again. Well, yeah. hey, we uh, appreciate you taking the time uh, across, uh, what do they say? Across the pond. What are our other favorite British colloquialisms? Oh, a fortnight. That's during Wimbledon, right? There we go. The two, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we like that's the only time you ever hear the term Fortnite during in Wimbledon. American sports. Yeah. But hey, we want to thank you for yeah. taking the time with us and uh spending some time on the podcast. So Thanks. Awesome. We appreciate it. It's great. Well, I can I just want to tell you guys I appreciate the way you guys live as loved, the way that you love the Lord, and the way that um you have shared your lives with me. So I'm just mm. real thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for the partnership and the gospel for sure. And I, I'm I'm just thankful that you guys remind me not to hope shift, and you remind me about living in the gospel all the time. So right I appreciate that. Thank you. Welcome back. What a great interview that was with Jim. Yeah, I love I loved that sermon series, and I really loved being reminded while we were talking to him too. Yeah, that was great. You know, I think so often in the past when I've thought about the Book of Exodus. It's always just been a story of, what, the Israelites exiting Egypt and just a, a story of kind of life on the trail, if you will. So mm-hmm. to to kind of relive that and hear, uh, here was a group, here was God's people taking their hope off of him and putting it onto Egypt or literally worshiping idols, putting their hope in things other than God, and then... Um, just that whole story being about that and how they kept wanting to return to these idols. Uh, it was just a great sermon series, a great wake up for us about where we had put our hope. And, and still every day, what, every week we talk about this. Oh, every <laughs> every week. I don't go a day. I mean, seriously, I don't go a day without having to say to myself, Kendra, hello, that's not where your hope is, you know? Um it can be something as asinine as a clean house, you know, like if only I could get these kids to clean up their junk, I will be so much happier. If only we could get this done. If only, if only, if only, if that's hope shifting, that's these these people will think better of me if I do this. Yeah. And and we have to remind ourselves: not only is our hope not in that stuff, but neither is our worth. Yeah. So I had mentioned before the break, I had a great story and I can just remember in our past, um, you know, being involved over the years through uh, co-ops and friends and and churches and just so many people we've known that have homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one story stands out, and it was a family whose um, the mom had some health concerns, and at the time, I remember the dad saying that he just didn't think that his wife uh, could continue homeschooling, and rather than coming alongside this fellow and uh, people saying, hey, okay, you know what? You need to take a break this year or we, you need to change things in, in this um, season of your life. Instead, I saw just the opposite. I saw these people that 
began with judgment. Like, well, what's going on? Why can't you? So first they started a line of questioning. Mm -hmm. And then it was every suggestion under the sun to keep homeschooling and not do anything else. In other words, the end-all, be-all was homeschooling. That was the answer. Right, and real disdain for them even considering putting those kids in a school. Oh, yeah, and it was, well, maybe we can divvy up your kids and put them in other homeschool houses. Now, guess what? (laughs) I get it. I I get what was happening. The attitude that they were sharing with this man Mm -hmm. was love. I I assume that. I assume they were saying, we love you enough to want to help you. But the idea was that only homeschooling was going to help you. There was no other answer. Yeah. So so this situation, they had shifted their hope from God, who could have clearly given a different path, and said, we have the best answer for you. It's homeschooling. It's been created. Uh, if it was trademarked, then we'd <laughs> be trademarked. That's the answer. Yeah. That's that's the ointment. You unscrew the prescription, and the prescription is homeschooling. Yeah, and even if it is to the detriment of your wife's health, even if it's to the detriment of your marriage, because I know there was tension there in that marriage from the stress of what was just going on in their lives, you know, even then, homeschooling at all costs. Yeah. So really quickly, can we uh, talk just again about... Um, Maybe that sermon series in Exodus? I, I know you wanted to share something. I did because, you know, I I was raised in a home um, of believing parents. My parents were both really first generation, sold out to the Lord, loving Jesus believers. And so, it, you know, nothing new to me to be in a Christian environment. I, I really haven't known a time in my life where I didn't want to follow God. And, you know, and whatever that means to a three, four, five-year-old that I was at the time. But That being the case, I still walked a lot through the first several decades of my life thinking that that God in Exodus, that that God we see in Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, all through the Old Testament, that God was that jealous God. That God was the one who was angry and upset and frustrated and what else? (laughs) Just that mean God, not mean. I don't think I necessarily thought he was mean, but just that God who... Oh, yeah. Old Testament God, bad. New Testament God, good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I was never presented that way, but, but, you know, you see him do things like, how could you make this golden calf? What were you thinking? Why are you complaining? I'm going to open up the ground and swallow you, you know. Okay, well, here's the problem. That God knew, knows, that their hope and our hope is only in him. And so when he was saying, um, dummies, take down the golden calf, he was saying, I'm your hope. Nothing else is going to be your hope. Hey, stop complaining about what you had in Egypt, because you know what? Egypt isn't your hope. I'm your hope. That's a loving God. That's a loving act. That's the God who says, come on, come over here. Remember, I am your only hope. I'm the one who gives you your worth and your value and your significance. I'm, I'm the guy. Joshua 1.9. Don't you remember? I told you I would be with you. Yeah, and rather than being a uh, bad, evil God of the Old Testament, good, gracious God of the New Testament, it's good, gracious God always. <laughs> yeah. You know, always. Always. So, um, hey, that's a uh, hope-shifting And that's Homeschooling Will Save Your Kids, part two for this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We have a few more things for you, so uh, keep listening.
Okay, this is Fletch, and I'm here in our kitchen with uh, two of our daughters. Uh, I have Abby, who is 14 years old, and Caroline, who's 12 years old, and I have a few questions for them. Let's start with Caroline. What is your favorite thing about being homeschooled? About not having to have all the stress of homework and being able to get it done on my own time. Abby, what's your favorite thing about being homeschooled? My favorite thing about being homeschooled would probably be about to go kind of at my own pace, like in math, when I, I could go like a year ahead in math when I need to, or like English, I can be like seven years behind in English. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Abby still struggles with her mother tongue. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, all right, so what's your favorite subject, Caroline? Cooking cooking, a cooking class, yeah. and I can uh, vouch for you that it's your best subject. And Abby, what's your favorite? My favorite subject would probably be art. Art. In other words, Abby likes to doodle. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, how about, what's the one thing you would change about homeschooling? Um. Abby just said the teachers. That, that was <laughs> she whispered yeah. under her breath, the teachers. <laughs> And by the teachers, she means her mom, which is really horrible. Um, Abby, what's the one thing you would change? Um, I'm. This probably isn't in every homeschooling family, but probably being able to get grades and know exactly where I am in my year and knowing whether I have an A or a B or a C or a D or an F. Not an E? There's no E as grade. Thank you for tricking me, though. <laughs> uh, Caroline, what would you want to change? Um, uh, no, I don't know. You're happy with everything that happens at homeschooling? Yeah. Nothing you'd want to change? Yeah, I don't think so. Not even the location? Wow. I would think homeschooling on the beach would be cool. But then that would be called beach schooling. That would be hectic with our family. <laughs> All right. Well... For Adventures in Mangoland, this is Fletch. Carolyn, would you say goodbye to the uh, people listening to the podcast? Goodbye. Abby, you want to say goodbye to the people listening to the podcast? Goodbye. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more information on this podcast, to contact your hosts, or to find other homeschooling radio programs, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL or on Twitter at homeschool IRL.